0: I'm Bruce Campbell Jance, the chair of the Mission Commission here at East Chestnut Street and we're very pleased today uh, that Nelson O'Connor, uh was able to accept our invitation uh, to uh, preach this morning. Uh, Nelson is the new president of Eastern Mennonite Missions, started yesterday. So we're getting uh, the fresh pressings uh, and we're, uh, we're glad to have Nelson with us today. Just a few words, in introduction about Nelson. Nelson was born and raised in Kenya. He has studied at Daystar University in Nairobi, at Eastern Mennonite Seminary in Harrisonburg, Virginia, and is currently taking doctoral classes at the Catholic University of America in Washington, D.C. Most recently, the the work that Nelson is coming from uh, is from the Capital Christian Fellowship in Maryland in the Washington, D.C. area. Uh, He's been there since 2006 and uh, is ending his time there as lead pastor a couple of days ago. And has just come as EMM's new president. Uh, Nelson is here today with his wife, Jessica, and their two sons, Barack and Isaac. I think they're up in the nursery. And uh, we welcome you here today, uh, Nelson, and uh, we pray that God would use you uh, in your message today.
1: Thank you. Good Good morning. It's good to be here it's just wonderful to gather together with God's people to reflect to sing to worship to hear the reading of the word and to dwell in the word of God and be formed by those words but also by the fellowship of the community i am delighted to be here this morning and of course i'm at dawn this morning congratulations and uh, congratulations to you as a congregation as well, and we share uh, something in common. As you just told, my contract began yesterday at EMM and uh, has began here as well. So, uh, it's uh, a delight to journey together with God's people. Well, um, as you were told already, I was born in Kenya, East Africa, and, The Lord has been at work in my life, in the life of my family, and the journey has brought us all the way here. This morning, as we also have been told, it's World Communion Day. It is the day that the Christian community around the world participate in communion, but also Uh, with a sense of togetherness, with a sense that we are God's people. And we are celebrating and participating in a story, a story that the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians, that I receive, I give to you that which I received, that the Lord Jesus on the day, on the night that he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread, having broken it, he blessed it, and he gave it to them, saying, Take this, eat, in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup and blessed it. And also gave it to them. And told them, this is the blood, this is the, new, the blood of the new covenant that is given for you. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. It is this event that today we are gathered around as we come to the table of the Lord. That we remember the Lord. We remember his life. We remember his teachings. We remember his sacrificial death. We remember him, the whole of him, past present through the church and future as we look forward to a wonderful time with him in the kingdom at capital christian fellowship one of the things that i told the congregation when i got there immediately is that i have a theology of food and i think that works well uh, because there is a sense that god communicates with god's people through food you see the exodus we find the, the passover feast over there. And Jesus comes and there's a meal. And then he promises and says, we will have this meal at the end. So it seems like there is a theology of food running through the Bible from the Old Testament to the New Testament. So it's a wonderful thing to share together. And it's actually in the eating, the food time, that a lot of walls are broken down. When families gather together at the table, I know that in our modern and postmodern world, that becomes very difficult these days uh, for people to eat together. But we must remember that, that when we eat together, when we gather together at the table and break bread, there are some barriers that are being broken. Remember when in Matthew 18, Jesus talked about this community's reconciliation process? And said, uh, the person that has been through all those processes and reconciliation is not happening. Treat Treat them like Gentiles. And some people say, what does that mean? Now we have to go and see how did Jesus treat the Gentiles or tax collectors and sinners. What did he do? He ate with them. Eating with people. So eating together on this wild communion day as we come to this table is a very special event for all of us. Because we remember Jesus, we remember his heart for the world, we remember his sacrifice for all of us that he gave for all of us on our behalf. That's what we remember this day. And so on this day, I am going to speak on this interesting theme that runs through the texts that we read this morning. The Old Testament texts, we read Psalm 80 and also we read Isaiah 5. And then later, we finished with uh, the text in Matthew 21, the parable that Jesus gave, that referred also to the the same theme that we find in, in Psalm and also in Isaiah. As I read the Psalm this week in preparation for being here this morning, I was struck by the spirit, by the the sense of urgency that the community was experiencing and they were crying out to god they were in a situation of desolation they were in a situation that was so difficult and there was no end in sight except the appeal to god because they believed that in god they believed that in him was their rescue and so we read this psalm this morning. Restore us, verse seven, chapter eight, so, uh, chapter eighty, psalm eighty, verse seven. Restore us, O oh God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. That caught my attention, and I reflected on the reality of the world we live in today. The realities of wars and poverty and natural disasters. Everything that is going on. And you find yourself in a situation where there is a deep sense of helplessness. Just a few months ago, was it a few months ago, just last month I think, when the earthquake happened and I was of course in D.C. Uh, area and I was in my office and all of a sudden there was this movement that got worse by the seconds and the pictures were coming off the wall and i'm like what is going on so i ran out of the out of my office the church office and i was out in the yard and and of course i ran around to see the other people who are in the other offices and we all got out and of course then you know these days technology twitter and facebook and everybody was already saying oh the earthquake earthquake happened And it just reminded me again, look at all the progress we've made as human beings. All this wonderful progress we have made. And yet, still, a little tremor of the earth shakes everything. I took off from our nicely built church building to go in the open space because the earth shook. It was a stark reminder to me of how helpless we are as human beings. Even though sometimes we think we got it together. We just celebrated at least commemorated the events that happened in this country ten years ago. And I was speaking to our congregation and said when you looked at airplanes before that event they were wonderful modern I mean they were wonderful symbols of modernity. When we heard airplanes we were thinking of swift transportation. I can get from here to another space without driving for 10 hours or 12 hours. All of a sudden, it was turned into a weapon of mass destruction. Just like that. Tells you how helpless and hopeless we are as humans. In spite of the wonderful progress that we have made. So, I resonated with this cry here. I see some people I know. Hello. (laughs) But I resonated with this cry here. Return to us, O Lord. Return to us. Deliver us. Save us. For it's in you that we hope and trust. Our lives are like flowers. Today, they're here. In the evening, they're gone. And so I resonated with this psalm. And that's why I chose this topic. Return to us and save us, Lord. And so, as I looked at this, I wondered, how did Israel get here? What happened? Because the Psalms are collections of communities worship. And as they were worshiping together, they were reflecting on their reality. But how did they get here? Because it was not always that way. And so, then, the text we read in Isaiah, I think gives us a clue. And so, I'm going to look at Isaiah 5, where this wonderful vineyard that God had planted had turned into something else. But before we get to that, let's read the first two verses of Isaiah 5. Let me sing for my beloved my love song concerning his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard, not a very, uh, on a very fertile hill. He dug it, so just mark those verbs there, actions. He dug it, he cleared it of stones, and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it. So you, you hear all those action words. He planted, he built, he cleared, making sure that everything is taken care of that needs to be done in order for this vineyard to produce. So he's done all that. He expected to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes. Now, it caught my attention that the text does not say that the vineyard owner went to the vineyard and did not find any fruit. There were fruit, but the fruit was not the kind of fruit that the owner expected. There was some fruit, but not the fruit the owner expected. And so let's see what happened. And so God in desperation talks about to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and the people of Judah, Judge between me and my vineyard, what more was there to be done? What could I have done more than what I already did? When I expected it to yield, why did it yield wild grapes? Why did it just yield grapes that I wasn't expecting? And as I thought about this, I thought about the church, the work of the church, the work of mission agencies like EMM, MCC, different relief organizations. What kind of fruit are we bearing? Because it's not simply a matter of bearing fruit. It's what kind of fruit are we bearing? Because we could be doing a lot of things as a congregation. We could be involved in mission projects. We could be involved as a mission agency in sending missionaries all over the world. But what kind of fruit is coming out of those efforts? That was the question. Because here, the Lord was disappointed by the fruit that he found in the vineyard. And now I will tell you, so the Lord now speaks, and now I will tell you what I will do with my vineyard. I will remove its hedge, and it shall be devoured. I will break down its walls, and it shall be trampled down. I will make it a waste. It shall not be pruned or hood, And it shall be overgrown with briars and thorns. I will also... Command the clouds; uh, command the clouds that they rain may not come upon it. Now look at verse seven, and I'm going to get this and a little interpretation of that. For the vineyard of the Lord of Hosts is the house of Israel. Now we're moving from horticultural understanding of this agricultural reality to actually a people. So it's now being interpreted to us, but we'll look. At further, we'll look at that interpretation further there. For the house, for the vineyard of the Lord is the, of hosts is the house of Israel, and the people of Judah are his pleasant planting. He expected justice. Now you see that grapes, the grapes that he expected. He expected justice. That's the the fruit that he expected. Having done the work that he did, he expected justice out of Israel. But what did he find? Bloodshed. So something was still happening within this community. They were still doing something. But instead of finding justice as a fruit of this wonderful vineyard, there was bloodshed. The Lord expected righteousness, but what the Lord found was cry. I like the way Old Testament scholar Walter Brueggemann translates this. So just, just pay attention to what he says. I think this is so profound. The two terms together, he writes, the two terms together, justice and righteousness, concerning Yahweh's command to Israel that Israel should be a community that practices genera- genera- generative, positive social relationships without abuse or exploitation. That command and expectation of Yahweh, however, are profoundly disappointed by the course of Israel's life. Israel has not produced justice but bloodshed. The term bloodshed means outpouring, thus the outpouring of lifeblood of life through exploitative social practice. That is the kinds of economic transactions that abuse, injure, and slowly bleed the poor to death. Paying attention to that. Yahweh expected righteousness that is equitable to generative social relationship, but instead Israel produced outcry that is, the feeble social protest of those who are victimized by repacious by social policy. The prophet is not content to speak generally of injustice and, ra- and righteousness, but, speak that, but takes up terms that are brutally concrete in asserting that Israel has completely reneged on the most elementary social relations between the powerful and the powerless, that Yahweh expects from this beloved people. It is no wonder that the vineyard is abandoned to destruction. So Israel as a community, instead of being a community of justice, a community that, lead, that, that, that basically dispenses justice, right relationships, right relatedness. Making sure that policies that are coming out of this community are not oppressive policies to other people. But that was not the case. There was bloodshed. As Brueggemann says, the policies that they had basically adopted or developed were bleeding the poor to death. It was not helping them. The rich continued to get richer. All the poor got poorer. And God was not pleased by that kind of fruit. When the Lord expected righteousness, right relationships, right relatedness, he expected what He found, but what he found was complete conflict, crime, breakdown of relationships. And so the Lord abandoned the vineyard. He said, what else can I do? I have done everything to ensure that this vineyard is producing fruit. Friends, brothers and sisters, I believe This is a reminder to all of us as the body of Christ to take our calling seriously but to make sure that what we're doing is producing fruit that pleases the Lord. So that we're not just doing stuff because it's easy to just do stuff. But it's what we're doing producing the right kind of fruit that will please the Lord? These are the questions. And so as I reflected on this, I went back again to the song. And I say, come to us, Lord. Come to us. Come to us and save us. May your face shine on us that we may be rescued from this generation That is so lost that we may be saved but that also in that salvation we may also become instruments of god's justice and righteousness in the world in the world that is marked by conflict and strife wars injustice unrighteousness poverty breakdown of family relationships we are called to embody the wholeness of God. Now how do we get there? We get there by reading the word, by being transformed in our relationships, and that when that happens the good news goes forth. And so we finish with this reflection In the Matthew text, which is a parable of Jesus. Jesus picks on the same theme. Only in this situation, the vineyard owner now is still God, but the Son is taking a prominent place. Jesus is taking a prominent place. So, It's the time Jesus is going to Jerusalem, things are getting a little tense as he moves from his hometown to the capital city, as he met opposition from religious leaders. His life was about to be given for all of us, for the world. And so he told them a parable. That is not different from the the story that we've been talking about in the Old Testament. And so this is a parable. Listen to another parable. He told them a number of parables, but here's just one of them. There was a landowner, familiar, sounds familiar, from the Old Testament texts? Yes. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard sounds familiar. We've just been told that God had a vineyard, and that vineyard was Israel, and Israel was expected to produce fruit that encompasses justice and righteousness, but they failed to do that. Now, Jesus is speaking similar, kind of the same theme here. So there was another, there was this landowner that planted a vineyard, put a fence around it, same same story, dug a wine press in it and built a watchtower. The whole same story. Jesus is repeating that same story. Then he leased it to tenants. Now there's an interesting variation there. And went to another country. When the harvest time had come, he sent slaves to the tenants to collect his produce. But the tenants seized, the slaves beat them, one after another. For those who follow the Old Testament closely, I think you get the point. The vineyard was rented out, but the tenants were not willing to give the owner of the vineyard, his due. And so, he sent his servants, his slaves, to them to go and collect what he expected from his vineyard. What did they do? They killed the slaves, one after another, one after another. Well, what is Jesus referring to here? The prophets. The prophets were sent and they killed them, one after another. Jeremiah, all those, they just killed. Them. And lastly, even during Jesus's time, they just had killed the last of the prophetic voice. That's John the Baptist. He would just been killed. And so, Jesus says, this is what you are good at, Israel, and your leaders you kill God's people. The messengers of good news don't last long around here. When they come, you kill them. Why? Because they are thorn in your flesh. They make you feel guilty. They speak the word of God and you do not know what to do with that and you don't want to hear it, even though you know it's true. So what do you do Take out the messenger. Sounds familiar? Church, Jesus reminds us in this parable the stone that was rejected by the builders has the rightful position in the house is the corner stone. Now this stone is somehow dangerous. If you fall on it, it will crush you. If it falls on you, you you're in pieces. Of course, it's referring to the dream of Daniel where the kingdom of God comes and smashes all the kingdoms of the earth. So Jesus is saying, I represent the kingdom of God, and I am the messenger of the kingdom, and I'm going to give my life. But before that, before I take my rightful place as the king of kings and the lord of lords, the ancient of days that Daniel talks about, in front of me is a cross. And so as you read Matthew, you see the plot thickens. And finally, Jesus is killed in the hands of the religious authorities and the Roman soldiers. But he is the stone that the builders rejected. He is the cornerstone. Jesus is the King of kings, and the Lord of lords, and he is the one who is calling us all to come to the table. And as we come to the table this morning, we need to ask, look at these grapes. Isn't that interesting? That again, the symbol that we remember Jesus with is grapes and bread. At the fruit we produce as a church, as mission agencies, Pleasing to the Lord. And if not, I join with the psalmists to cry together with you and with all of us. Come to us, Lord. Come to us. And save us. Restore hope to us. In our brokenness, may you heal us. Instead of injustice in our society, in our culture, in our towns, in our cities, in our homes, may justice prevail. May you bring righteousness, for these are the foundation of the kingdom. Justice and righteousness. This is what the Lord requires of us. So as Eastern Minaret Missions, that I believe now I speak on behalf, I pray that you, as a congregation, East Chestnut Hill, East Chestnut, sorry, there is a Chestnut Hill. So I'm still learning. <laughs> I'm still learning. I thought it was Chestnut Hill. I talked with some people. They said, oh, we are in the country. Oh, okay, so this is East Chestnut Street, right? Okay, as a congregation, I invite you to join with us as a mission agency to seek, to dispense, to live out, and to embody God's justice and righteousness in the world and in our communities. I invite you today. And before I sit down, I cannot help but leave you with this charge. Who is God sending among you? Who is God sending among you? Pastor Don, that's a question. Who is God sending among you? And for all of you who are sitting in this audience, is God calling on you to be his ambassador? Is God calling on you? to help embody his call and vision and mission and restoration of the world. It's already happened in Jesus, but he needs messengers to go forth and live it out. And So if God is calling you, there are wonderful people that would like to talk with you at the end of that, over there at the table. There's the EMM staff that are here today that would like to talk with you, and we'll be gathering later for a time of visitation and and chatting and talking and asking questions. But I want to leave this challenge with you. Is God calling you? And if God is calling you, we are ready to say, we hear the voice with you. Let's partner together. and Let the gospel move forward. That the Lord's salvation may go to the ends of the earth. Amen.